This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Am I good? All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 141 of the Laravel News Podcast. I'm going to go ahead and retweet Michael's tweet here. Hey, if you happen to be online right now at 1042 Central Time, or don't tell me, Michael, don't tell me, or 112 p.m. Adelaide time tomorrow, which would be Monday. Monday. Please join us. Please join us. We'd love to have you. We'd love to have you talk to us, chat with us. And speaking of, I actually need to get on the YouTube stream. That's because Michael's always like, yeah, so-and-so said hello. And I'm like, where? Where did they say hello? The YouTube stream. And then For I example, have to mute myself Andreas. and make sure. Yeah, Andreas. Andreas is always a faithful fa- faithful fan. Hey, Andreas. How's it going, man? Well, folks, we've got a little bit shorter show for you today, actually. So what we did is we took a couple minutes and we threw in some community links at the end of the show so we can share some of the amazing work that some of you are doing out there. So listen till the end. We're going to give some shout outs to some folks who are doing some really great work out there. And uh, we also want to give a quick shout out to Scout APM, who is sponsoring the show today. So you'll hear a little bit about that later as well. And just while it's top of mind here, there's also this other dude who's doing this thing. Um, He sort of does like a Twitter thread each week, Mm. summarizing what went down in the Laravel community. You know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. I can't. I don't know his name. We should definitely uh, find it during the course of this show. He, we should. He, or Andreas is, is our unofficial third member. Andreas, I think you probably know the guy we're talking about. If you want to give a shout once you figure out who that dude is, that would be amazing because we'd love to shout him out. Really good account to follow. Gives you a quick summary in your Twitter feed of kind of what went down in the Laravel community over the week. And it's really, really cool. So. Yeah, we'll get that for you a little bit later as well. So again, yeah. thanks for uh, joining us. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. Let's start out with uh, releases, shall we, Mr. Dorinda? Yes. So we were a little bit late with our last episode. So there was kind of a bit of overlap between things that we would have spoken about previous episode and uh, things that, that would have been in this episode. We don't have any posts, but we will link to the release notes for 8.37 and 8.38. But there are some few things in here that, that could have sort of caught my eye. The first of that is the ability to retry jobs based on the queue name. So you can do like a retry failed with Laravel currently using artisan queue retry, but it would retry all of the failed jobs in all of your queues. And that may be undesirable in some situations. So we've got here Fred Bradley on GitHub put in uh, his pull request here. And that gives you the ability to pass dash dash queue and give the queue name. And that will allow you to retry all of the failed jobs on a specific queue. So that's really handy if you're, you know, got a queue that's churning away and it hits some error and you need to go back and and go over it, but you don't want to retry everything. Being able to do this is a good idea. This has been an idea since 2019. So if you've ever been looking for a a foot in the door to contribute with, with Laravel and the framework and things like that, definitely check out the Laravel ideas repository on GitHub for some things that can get picked up. Um, the other thing that we've got here is a missing method on the session store. So currently you have to do like a negated condition if not session has key in order to, to to carry out some logic. So this is adding a missing method. So you can do if session missing, which is, you know, it's it's the way we go with, with Laravel. We want things to be nice and readable. So 
thanks to Schmid Felix, or maybe Felix Schmid, uh, who's got himself one of those fantastic uh, um, illustrations from uh, Laracon Online. And uh, Felix, 17-year-old freelance developer. So congratulations on getting your code into the framework there, Felix. Last up for 8.37 uh, that, that caught my eye was the ability to handle concurrent asynchronous requests in the HTTP client. So Laravel in version 8, I think it was at version 7, introduced the, the first-party HTTP um, client library, which was a, a sort of a, a freshening up and rewrite of Adam Weiland's ZTTP client. So this PR aims to bring concurrency while sending asynchronous requests with the Laravel HTTP client. This is not anything to do with Laravel Octane, but Octane should be compatible with this feature as the latest version of Swool supports curl multi-operation. So this introduces the ability to make asynchronous requests and a pull to handle asynchronous requests concurrently. So if you need to make multiple requests to a external API and you want to fire them all off in one go, this uh, this is for you. Check it out. There's um, quite an in-depth pull request here from the person who put this one together, Andrea Sartori, uh, from, hey, he's an Australian. There you go, living in Queensland. So they're the, they're the, things, they're the things that caught my eye from, from 8.37. And, of course, we talked about in, in the previous episode the anonymous closures or the anonymous, anonymous class migrations, which uh, yep. just to hit on, it's so that we don't have naming collisions if you've got you know packaged migrations that have same that are creating, you know, the same kind of uh, migrations for the same tables or, or whatever in your applications. So we don't have to worry about naming our classes uniquely um, and just the file names will get used for uniqueness in terms of, of your uh, migration keys that go in the database to make sure we're not running the same migrations over and over again. So definitely check that out. We will have links to all of that via the Laravel framework release log. Very nice. So uh, this pool stuff is pretty awesome. I messaged my um, boss, Jordan Brill, the other day when I saw this come out. And I was like, dude, we've been doing this for almost a decade. This pooling <laughs> of resources. There is like this. <clears throat> I think you could do this with like curl. Yeah, There's curl like multi. This curl, curl multi, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could do these pooling of requests. And uh, so we were doing this when we were trying to, we would like basically scrape this HTML page all these links of documents that we needed to download and then do these pools of these asynchronous requests and rip through them as quick as we could. Yep. And I was like, man, this is sweet. I wish we would have had this 10 years ago. (laughs) Yeah. No, I did. I did the same kind of thing. When was it? Like, this was my first job where we, we kind of used Apache as, as like threaded HTTP requests. So we would send from a PHP script, a curl multi to Apache so that we could do diagnostic monitoring so we would just fire like 10 requests at a time using curl multi and Apache would obviously handle that as concurrent requests right, on sure. the other end because this was like before any notion of queuing and you know delay jobs and things right. like that. So yeah, yeah, it's cool that, to see that this kind of stuff is is still around and still being used. Yeah, we had to do some little, a little bit of trickery to handle sort of like the responses and things mm-hmm. like that too, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, this is going to be, this is awesome. So 8.38 then, just a just a small set of changes here. There's now a word count string helper. So this will, uh, as you may have guessed, count the number of words inside the string. So this is from uh, Jerome Van Jerome. Rensen, and mm. this is his very first contribution to the Laravel framework. So congratulations, Jerome. Nice job. 
there was also the ability to allow anonymous and class-based migrations to coexist together. So just like Michael talked about these anonymous, anonymous migrations, you can have class-based migrations and anonymous migrations coexisting now. And then there's also this uh, push pusher broadcaster set pusher. So what this does is this basically, when you use pusher as your broadcaster, it gets cached. I think as a singleton, like in the container, which would make sense. But if you wanted to change like the credentials that you're using in order to send pusher events while you're like in the middle of something, you can call now set pusher and it will swap it out for you, I believe is how that works. So mm -hmm. yeah, Vadushi, Victor Douchi, Victor Douchi. Yeah, that's his name. So there we go. Victor, thanks, man. Appreciate that. Yeah. So that's uh, that's sort of the releases we have there. So we are now on to the news of the Laravel news. Yeah. So on the 21st of uh, April, we got support in Laravel Forge. It's beta support for the beta Laravel Octane. Uh, but we now have support for Octane directly within Forge. There is a guide per the announcement from the Laravel team that talks about getting all this stuff up and running. But it's just a drop down. It's just a drop down when you create a new application within forge you can set project type to laravel octane and and go from there and so laravel will ask for the port that octane should be listening on um, and it won't use php fpm to serve your site instead octane will run its own roadrunner or school server as configured by you and uses nginx as a reverse proxy to the port that you select it is wise to choose a port number higher than 8000 to avoid clashes with other software that may already be running on the server good advice when, when you create your site, Forge will install the Swall extension if it's not already there. Um, and just as a note to that, all new servers that are provisioned with PHP 8 will automatically have Swall enabled. Um, and it's a matter of configuring the Octane daemon to make sure that that keeps running in the background. So, um, you know, if that ever stops for whatever reason, you want it to be able to restart automatically. Um, once the daemon is created, the Octane site, the Octane... Octane. The Octane site will now be accessible via the browser, via um, a regular domain, so you don't have to worry about the port or anything like that. So definitely check that out. If you're not using Laravel Forge, it is a great time to sign up now. Uh, it allows you painlessly create and manage all of your PHP servers with uh, MySQL, Redis, Memcache, database backups, and everything else you need for your robust and modern Laravel applications. And shout out to James Brooks, who has been doing a lot of work. It's great that, that Taylor has tasked someone within the Laravel team to just get heads down and, and churn out features for um, Laravel Forge. It's been getting a lot of love in the last uh, sort of six to 12 months. So kudos to the Laravel team there, but definitely check it out. And also shout out to Mohammed Sayed. I feel like the, the other great thing about Laravel, so two things about Laravel Forge I really enjoy. They always have the newest like features. Right, anything that's going on with Laravel, you kind of get the latest features available in Forge pretty quickly. They also, I mean, there's some really cool stuff in there. Like you can install multiple versions of PHP, and then you can have like per site versions of PHP running separate from CLI, separate from like what's running on that, you know, on the server altogether as like the default, mm -hmm. um, which is really cool. So if you kind of wanted to like gradually update your stuff to PHP 8, which is what we're going to be doing, I just installed PHP 8 the other night. Uh, and this is sort of dovetails into my second thing that I really like is their support is amazing. So I sent a message and went to sleep. And then the next morning I woke up and Mohammed Sayed had messaged me back and said, try it again, click the button and it worked like that's it. That's all it was. And so like, didn't like, didn't have to go through 10 layers of support and get escalated and all this crap. It was just like, 
hey, PHP, when I went to install PHP 8, it didn't work. And literally the only message I got back was, try again. Click, <laughs> worked. Like, yep. that's it. You know what I mean? It's just yep. like so nice. The support has pretty much always been like that for me. It's just mm-hmm. always like, oh, we fixed it. We're not, we're yep. like, not like, what's, what's, what sort of situation are you running into? Like, what's mm-hmm. the blah, blah, blah. They just, nope, we got it. And they always yep. do. So yep. it is worth your weight in gold. It is worth its weight in gold. And it's mm-hmm. so reasonably priced too. Yep. What you get, the value is just incredible. So definitely check out Forge. If you haven't used it before, do yourself a favor and do so. Okay, we've got uh, a new feature that's been out uh, in Laravel now. I think Symphony actually has something that sort of, I don't know if Laravel sort of borrowed this from it or if it's part of the Symphony console it's, stuff. Yeah, it's it part of the be. Symphony console component. Yeah, so earlier this month, the Laravel documentation got updated with uh, this information about how to handle, handle console signals. Yeah, it's, in a, it's a feature inherited through console signals that was added to the Symphony console component in 5.2. So Taylor tweeted out about this, and uh, since it's upstream from Laravel, we get it as well. And so it's documented now. But essentially, if you press like Control-C, if, you, if you're running a command in your application and you press Control-C, it sends the sig-int signal to the system, right? And so basically, Symfony introduced the support for responding to those signals in your commands, like performing some cleanup tasks or something mm-hmm. like that when you're quitting a command. And so now you can handle those in Laravel. So uh, there's a simple example here in the blog post uh, where you can just add a method called get subscribed signals, and then you can listen for the particular signals that you want. And then you have another method called handle signal, which will send to you what type of signal is going to be sent to you, either sigint or sig term, whatever it might be. And then you can uh, basically conditionally listen for if the signal is sigint, then do this. If the signal is sig term, do this. And it works great. That works fine. However, most things, Frank van der Herten is not satisfied to leave well enough alone. And so he made a package called Laravel Signal Aware command package, which is designed to ease the work even further. So now you can handle signals in a few different ways besides the above, besides the implementation that's mentioned um, in the blog post. So you have a signal facade that you can that ships with the package. You have a signal received event. Uh, and then I think it allows you to do some uh, some testing and stuff as well. So mm-hmm. yeah, pretty nice. Uh, Frank already talked about it. I think he actually live streamed building it, and so that was that was pretty cool. So if you would like to, you can check that out. We have all of that in the blog post here. Uh, the explanation, links to the links to the tweet, links to the documentation, links to the Symphony blog post where they talked about it, links to Frank's uh, live stream, links to his package, all of that stuff. Right. So uh, really good. If you want to check that out, definitely do that in the show notes. Yeah. All right. On to packages, my friend. On to packages. Laravel Log Planner is a package by Yoast Van Veen for keeping your log files small and tidy. While there are various ways to keep log file size tidy in production, this package uses the built-in Artisan console that you can run manually via cron directly or through a scheduled task. The log cleaner provides configurations you can set in your environment or override in the command and the main configuration features and console options include specifying the number of files to keep, specifying the number of lines to keep in a file because everyone knows that as soon as you get an exception into, or an error into production and you've got 15 people hitting that, this just floods the log with exception messages. <laughs> True um, story. You've got the exclude pattern to exclude file patterns from being processed, log file trimming which is enabled by default but is configurable and a configurable file deletion, enable, and disablement. Uh, and there's some console commands that you can run. So there's log, log cleaner run, 
um, log cleaner run keep lines um, keep files and a dry run so it will tell you what it's going to do without actually doing any of the cleanup process this is handy you know to to keep your files in check i know that if you use laravel's daily log output it, it will handle that for you automatically once it rolls right, over yeah. and clean up old stuff um there's also log rotate if you're into doing sysadmin stuff by hand you can configure things like that by yourself as Chris well Fidel, i think is, has something on that yeah yeah service so, trackers it's, uh, it's definitely important to keep your things um, in check, especially, as I said, if you start getting errors into your application and it's a reasonably high-volume site, if you're not you know, truncating those files and keeping your log files in check, you can fill your disk with errors and then you know you start having all kinds of problems um, with your application and, and ends in downtime and things like that. So keeping and your... And sometimes it's weird too. Like if you're using a file system to like keep track of cache or like sessions or something like that, it'll start throwing stuff like couldn't write a session. It's like, what in the world? What's going on? You know, yeah. and then you come to find out it's your log. Disk full. Yeah. So a weird one. Cool. That is, that is, no, that's it. That's the, that's the package. Okay. That's the package. Uh, we've got another one here. So how many of you are doing like internationalization, right? Translating your site, all of the site into multiple languages. Hands up. A couple of you. Yeah. Okay. See those hands. All right. Good. Yes, it is a thing, right? And for those of you who have had to do it, you know it can be quite painful. Uh, thankfully, Laravel does make it quite a bit simpler. And there are also some great community packages out there to manage this process as well. This is not part of this post, but I also want to mention the process that we've used previously, which is to use uh, Crowdin, is what it's called, Crowdin. And basically, what you can do is just take your Laravel translate file and chuck it in there. And then they will have translators for all the different languages. And you can just assign, basically you can get a quote and then they'll just translate that string file for you. And then you can just chuck it back into your, into your uh, application as like, you know, EN for Spanish or JA for Japanese or whatever it is. Right. And so it makes it really convenient to do that. But the one thing that's sort of a pain in the neck is if you're using something not blade to render your front end files, it's useless, right? Like those, those backend translations are, how do you do that? How do you use it in your front end, right? So that's the problem that this package is trying to solve. Here's what it says. Have you ever wanted to use the same Laravel translations you use on the backend in your front end code? Yes, I have. Laravel translations loader is a webpack loader that enables you to load your Laravel translations into your JavaScript bundle. And all of the heavens opened up and we heard, hallelujah. <laughs> so instead of doing HTTP requests to fetch those translations, the package enters in the middle of the asset compilation process and translates your PHP translation files, JSON and PHP, into a JSON object. So you can use these however you like. The reason why it mentions JSON and PHP is because you sort of have two flavors of translations that you can do in Laravel. Um, you can set it as just like an array. Or you can provide like a JSON translation file. So mm -hmm. it works out of the package or out of the box with packages like view I18N, which is like, I think that's sort of like international. I18N I18N yeah. is internationalization. I, thank you. I18N. I never knew what that was. Sort of like the ALLY or was it A11Y, like accessibility? It's A11Y. So it's A and then there's 11 characters and then there's a Y. <laughs> Yeah, A eleven Y, right? So I eighteen N internationalization. There you go. So it works out of the box with packages like View I eighteen N, uh, or with a few configuration tweaks with the I eight with the popular I eighteen Next package. Um, I'm not going to go through the code here because I think it's 
you know, depending on which flavor of front end stuff you're using, it's going to be a little bit different for you. But big shout out to Louis Del, Del Molin for putting this one out there. Yeah, that's, that's really good stuff there. Really, really good stuff. And I actually am going to probably use this. We, the, the biggest challenge we have is we actually use translation files in a, um, in an app that's completely separate. It's an ionic app. Uh, mm-hmm. We use a lot of the same strings. <sighs> it doesn't really help me in this situation, but still <laughs> it's great for a lot of other people. I'm sure. So there we go. Excellent. Next up we have generating migrations from an existing database with the migration generator package. There's a, there's a few different packages out and about in the community that does this. There was in SQL pro, there was a plugin that you could get that would do the same kind of thing. And this is a package by Bennett Treptow to generate migrations from existing database structures. Quoting from the readme, a primary use case for this package would be a project that has many migrations that alter tables using the change method from doctrine slash debal that SQLite doesn't support and you need an, a way to get table structures updated for SQLite to use in test. Another use case would be taking a project with a database and no migrations and turning that database into base migration. So I've done this before um, at my last job where I where we didn't have Laravel, it was all vanilla. All of the database was just there, you know, for for years prior to me being there. So running the the migration generator, generating migration, so that we can then start building tests and start migrating to Laravel and things like that. So it's a very very helpful doing it in in that regard. The package can, as I said, be helpful if you are porting an existing application into Laravel and want to recreate the database migrations for the application to help with your development and testing. One thing that I don't see, and it's not clear from here, and an issue that I came to came into when, when I did this previously, was that it does things alphabetically, which may not necessarily help, especially if you've got foreign keys. So if you've got like create users table and create posts, but posts references users and foreign keys to users. If you create the the post table as you would alphabetically before the users table and you try and run that migration that's creating a, a foreign key against the users table, that's not going to work and that's going to break. So I'm, I'm not sure, and I, and I won't look at it here, uh, but it's something to be mindful of that alphabetical ordering is going to cause you some issues. So it Depending on the size of your application, it can take you some time to kind of reverse engineer the the migrations and things like that. But certainly being able to scaffold it all out like this makes things a lot quicker and a lot easier. So definitely check this package out um, if you're wanting to backfill migrations into an existing project um, or anything like that. And thanks to Ben for putting this one together. His first name is your last name. It is. Dude, that's actually getting more and more common. Uh, I've seen a lot of kids named Bennett these days. I don't know. It's like a popular thing. People are like naming kids like first names, last names, like hmm. Miller or Smith or whatever. Yeah. It's just a thing. Trackable jobs for Laravel. So trackable jobs for Laravel is a package by Matthias Jungus that allows you to track Laravel jobs in your database easily. So if you've ever wanted to like dispatch a job, but you also wanted to have a record that it happened because typically if they like, queue a job or something like that's going to go to your queued jobs table, either in Horizon, or if you're using database, is going to go in there. But as soon as it's done, it's gone, disappears, right? If you wanted to keep track of it, uh, you could use this package. I am. Are you are you waving at me for there was was there a particular? Reason? I was I was waving goodbye to that job. It's gone. Oh, <laughs> I was so confused. I was like, what are you? Are, are, <laughs> are you missing something? Are you miss? You're waving at me. Okay. 
back to the show, folks. Okay. Uh, so all this, all you have to do here is you just have to add the package and then you add the trackable trait to a queue job class. And then it stores things uh, like the job name, the type, the status, the output, the job start, and the job finish timestamps, which is really handy. It also enables you to track chained jobs as well. So the, the interesting thing is, well, chained jobs, yes. I was thinking batch jobs, but he said specifically chained jobs. So that's good. Batch jobs get stored in a table anyway. If you're going to be using Laravel's batch jobs, those do get stored in a table, but they get wiped out after a period of time, right? So you can specify how long you want those to live in there for, but that's how you can sort of get like status and updates on how far along the batch is, is it actually uses a database table in order to keep track of how many jobs are less left, how far you are through, et cetera, et cetera, all that, right? So anyway, this is a cool one. If uh, you're interested in tracking some jobs, check out this package you can find it in the show notes hey um speaking of sponsorship we've got one scout apm so scout apm is application performance monitoring that's what the apm stands stands for so it's application performance monitoring and is designed specifically to help php developers quickly find and fix performance issues it is designed for you mr php developer with you first in line first in mind so that you don't have to deal with the headache or overhead of these massive enterprise platforms that have tons of feature bloat. Uh, The developer-centric UI and the tracing logic that ties the bottleneck in the, that's mentioned in the monitoring gets tied directly to your source code. This allows you to really quickly be able to pinpoint and then resolve performance or abnormalities. Things like and plus one queries, if you don't know what those are, I uh, you will know shortly. Slow database queries, memory bloat, things like that that are never going to be obvious until you are in production. They will allow you to spend less time debugging and more time building. It's got real-time alerting, weekly digest emails, and you can go to bed and rest easy knowing that Scout is on watch, going to be helping you 24 hours a day, resolve performance issues. If you're somebody like Michael, who is in Australia... And you need to know that your US users are having problems. You don't have to be up watching logs. It's going to monitor everything for you. So you can give Scout a try today for free with a free 14-day trial. And you can experience firsthand why PHP developers worldwide call Scout their very best friend. For Laravel News listeners, we also have a deal where Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. You can learn more at scoutapm.com slash Laravel News. That's scoutapm.com slash Laravel News. Let's keep going here. What you got, my friend? We're on to the tutorials. And the first one we have here is how to override login redirects in either Jetstream or Fortify. Recently, who was this wonderful person? Jason. Jason Beggs was recently working on a project using Jetstream and ran into a scenario where he needed to redirect users to different routes depending on the type of user they were when they logged in. Imagine having regular users and admins, and admins have a special dashboard they can only see. Usually you would prefer to redirect the admins to their dashboard when they log in and regular users to the regular application. Using Laravel Jetstream or Fortify, it's not immediately apparent how to do this, especially when you're using two-factor authentication. So Jason goes into some detail about how authentication works within Jetstream and Fortify and how to override the redirection step which is using a login response uh, action. So since Fortify uses actions that perform tasks, the login response step is clean and simple. And then you can customize the redirects by adding a custom login response class. 
um, and then customizing the to response method to redirect the user to different routes depending on the type of the user. So you might have just a, an admin flag yes. on your user record or you might have a role assigned to them and you would check for that. So how you do that, how you did to, how you do that uh, depends entirely on your application, but the the response is where we're key here. So you can check all of that stuff out. And it, and Jason goes into detail about how to handle this with two-factor authentication as well. Because because it's two-step, you log in um, and then you, you know, you do your two-factor authentication and then you go off in into the redirect cycle from there. So talking about overriding Jetstream and Fortify's functionality, uh, it is a little bit in depth by the looks of things, but that's why we have these wonderful tutorials for you to follow so that you don't have to go through the pain that Jason went through. You can just skip straight to the final step. Yeah, it even talks about two-factor authentication, right? So this is really this is a really good one. Really, really good one. Nice job, Jason. He's always so thorough. Mm. What a what a rock star. What a dude. Okay. We've got one more of the official things that we're going to talk about. And then we've got some community links we're going to hit you guys up with, guys and girls up with. So we've got just a quick tip tutorial here talking about unit testing JSON columns in Laravel. So you may know that you can query against JSON columns using the column key syntax in Laravel, but also recently learned that you can use the same syntax in your tests when asserting that the database has certain data. So where you're using JSON columns in your database, you can use this column arrow key syntax. Uh, so there's just a couple quick examples there in the show no- or sorry, in the post. And this one is also from our good friend, Mr. Jason Beggs. So yes, Jason is killing it these days. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so let's jump into the community link section here, Michael. I think this first one was by you. So why don't you take that one? I'll jump into the next one. Mm. So the first one that I dug up here was the Laravel version CLI. So we talked about this uh, a few episodes ago. Laravel versions is a project from the lovely folks over at Titan Co., um, which goes through release dates and timelines for security and bug fixes for all of the different versions of Laravel. And so you, the, you can learn more about the Laravel versioning strategy on the the releases page of the documentation, which we will link to and we've spoken about on a number of occasions. But this is a command line interface. So you can install this using NPM as a global dependency and then you can run Laravel-versions-cli or use the LV alias for that command. And that will then get you the the version information directly in your terminal, which uh, which is nice because you don't have to you know open a browser and fumble for a tab and and all of that kind of stuff. So definitely check that out if you like me like to live inside of the terminal. Indeed, you do. We were just talking about Tmux, and uh, Tmux. I have to tell you, if you're working on servers, if heck, if you're working locally and you like and you like to be able to manage like multiple sessions, Tmux is pretty freaking awesome. I also happen to use it when I need to, on the occasion, uh, run a command in a live production server. So like if I need to, oh, sometimes it just depends. Like if I'm, if we're starting something for the first time, like we had this new data download job that we, we, it was, you're normally going to run in the scheduler, but I didn't want to run it in the scheduler. And I knew it might be something I was going to leave work and then go home. And so I didn't want my connection to get killed, right? My SSH. So I just open up a new connection. SSH in, Tmux, open up Tmux, run my command, disconnect from the Tmux session, leave, go home, get back home, SSH back in, reconnect, reattach to the Tmux session. Everything's Mm -hmm. happy. Everything's running just like it was when I left. 
Tmux is the best. So check out Tmux if you don't know what that yeah. is. It's a really, really helpful tool. And it's really T-Mux, simple. You can, it's like, yeah. it's just like Vim, literally. Like in that you can, Vim, like you can scratch the surface and do just mm. not very much and still get a ton of value out of it. Like you could learn the basics in 15 minutes, mm-hmm. except for how to quit. And then, oh my word, what, what is old trope, right? Tmux is literally the same thing. It's like Tmux, like you just type Tmux, it'll get you into a new session, right? And then Tmux LS will just get you like listed out your sessions and then Tmux attach dash T and then the number of the session will get you into a session. That's it. Like if you know those three things, oh, and then like command B and then D disconnects you. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like mm-hmm. if you know those four things, you're good. Like that's pretty much all you need to know. And then there's a couple little things you can add on, like how do you split your screen? How do you do whatever, Right. But it's a really, really helpful thing to know and just like one of those cool things to have in your bag. So that wasn't even in the community links, but uh, you can that search like free. you can Google like that was for free. Michael knows way more about it than I do. So I, I'm, I'm just making it sound like I use it all the time. I don't even use it every day. I think he probably does. So if you have any questions, he's the dude to ask. Okay. <laughs> uh, the next one I wanted to talk about was is from a guy called Michael Stivala and it's called Why Dummy Data Matters and How to Generate It. So if you've ever onboarded a new developer, this is always a painful part of the process. If you don't have good seed data or a good like staging or test environment for your application, this is something you kind of have to go through, right? Is this dummy data? So this is what's used during development or the QA process or for feature demos or things like that. So there's basically two strategies discussed in this in this tutorial, which is dummy data seeding or scrambling production data, right? Mm -hmm. And so he links to a couple other posts, links to some good packages for when you would use which particular strategy for generating this stuff. Most of us, and I think in fact, what's going to be suggested inside of the Laravel docs is dummy data seeding. So you're just going to use these model factories that come with Laravel that you can create really easily. And then you're going to create seeders, which again are straight from Laravel, just created very easily. And then you can just run db colon seed, PHP artisan db colon seed, and it'll just seed your database. Works really great when the different states in your data are somewhat limited, when it's easy to recreate states, just doing a couple manual steps uh, or whatever it is, right? What you do end up with in some situations, though, is it's almost impossible to replicate production data in in some, in some, some instances, right? But you also don't want to provide production data to your QA team or to your dev team necessarily. So what do you do? What you do is you essentially anonymize or scramble your production data. So this is good for like medium to large scale scale applications. And if you do it right, it's it's worth the effort, right? So he's got a couple strategies for when you're going to use that, how to use it, and then a couple good packages like Laravel masked DB dump. So this is basically is a great way. I think this is by Marcel to get stuff out of your production data sp- database and mask it. So it's, so it's, you know, meets compliance stuff. Like if you have to deal with HIPAA compliance or things like that, still meets those, those standards for you. And then uh, it simplifies the process of getting data out of production and to your teams in a way that's compliant and doesn't expose any, any sensitive data. So yeah. I thought this was a good one. Um, and, uh, you know, really, really helpful if you're, if you've kind of not embarked on that journey yet, or if you're looking to do so soon. Mm-hmm. Matt Stauffer, yeah. when he he presented this talk at Laracon AU in 2018, he presented it at Laracon EU as well, his patterns that pay off presentation. Mm. And he talks about using seeds, not dumps, and not relying on production data for, for new developers or testing, keeping production data in, in production, um, and then using production data to help you improve your database seeds. So just avoiding those scenarios where you start leaking, you know, real customer information into 
you know, test environments and staging environments and then developer computers and things like that. And you start getting into some gray areas, you know, if someone steals that laptop that's got actual customer data on it or whatever, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, so trying to just minimize the surface area for, for compromise of, of that data. So that was a really good presentation uh, as well, which we can link to in the show notes that talks a little bit yeah. more in depth about, you know, having really good seeds and, and being able to seed your application tests with, with good um, robust and random seeders and things like that. That's definitely going to be best case scenario. If you can keep, mm-hmm. if you can do without production data, that's good. However, anyway. Okay. Do you want to talk about the next one or do you, let's see the following one after that we actually already talked about, which is the async stuff, I believe. So let's do this. I think, did you do the last one? No, I did the last one. Okay. So you do the next one. You can do the next one, which is talking about the uh, Larasane. Larasane, yeah. It's a package. It is a package. It is the ability to quickly sanitize text into safe HTML using fluid methods. So if you've ever accepted user input and you want to uh, spit that out again, this is a package for you. After you receive the HTML input, you want to sanitize using the sanitizer facade to do this. The sanitizer has a number of fluid methods you can chain to allow or disallow certain attributes, tags, and links. By default, Larisane cleans everything except the most basic of tags, anchor links, bold, breaks, block quotes, headings, etc., etc. You can enable and disable tags um, using the extensions or create your own. If you need to strip all tags from a string, just use the strip underscore tags PHP function. So... Uh, this allows you to to specifically strip out things like script tags. You know, you don't want people posting JavaScript into your application and and firing off JavaScript alerts into your browser, uh, your user's browser. You know, in in forums and things like that. Um, so definitely check this out. This will also help you uh, enforce domains, enforce HTTPS on on links that get that sent through and things like that. So it's a it seems like a very thoughtful package that's been put together here by Dark Ghost Hunter. There you go. Italo. Yeah. Italo from Chile. So thanks for that. Definitely check that out. Um, <laughs> he's used Clorox as the uh, the image for the, the readme. <laughs> so uh, use use Clorox to uh, sanitize your HTML, but not do not inject. No, it will not ingest. fight COVID. Do not ingest. Yeah, no, not ingest. It, will it will not, not fight it COVID. Will not, indeed. <laughs> no, no. Last one here is by by Yanez Kergol. Oh man, Kergolage, Kergolage, C E R G O L J, G O L J. Yeah, can't even spell it, much less say it. <laughs> Yanez, Yanez, think so. Anyway, dude's a smart dude, and uh, he's talking about Amazon SES. So, how many of you are using Amazon SES? I am. I think probably a lot of people are. It's a really cheap email solution, right? Which is great. The thing that you might end up with, though, is you might have to track those emails. Like, how do you track those emails in your application? It's not as easy as you might think. And so we've had to do it. And we came up with a way to do it. But I never wrote a tutorial about it. And this dude did on April 13th of 2021. Uh, So he he basically says he was working on a project with the requirement was to send Amazon emails or sorry, send emails via Amazon SES and then track deliverability with webhooks. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, as he says, basically not surprising, the ride wasn't very smooth, right? So AWS is great. SES is great, but it can be a little bit difficult to get through. So he basically walks through the process of sending notifications with Laravel, setting up the SES driver, 
creating the notifications, recording the notifications, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. So it's, it's pretty good. So if you have uh, a need to do this, you should definitely check this out. Uh, he actually might even go into, I think he goes into basically, you have to set up SES and then you have to set up an SNS topic, mm -hmm. which will record those things. And then you, with the SNS topic, you can then invoke like webhooks or things like that. You also could do this, by the way, if you have like an internal application, which we do, uh, once you set up an SNS topic, you can then also push to an SQS queue if you want to. Instead of using webhooks, an SNS topic can push to an SQS queue and then it can be an outgress request, right? So you can make a request out to the SQS queue. Think like iron queues, push queues from back in the day, right? Mm -hmm. You can basically request out to that thing. No, that's different. That's different. But you could request out to SQS and then ask it, hey, bounces or delivers, talk to me about them. And then you don't have to open up uh, like routes into webhooks. Yeah. Um, if you have, that's a weird situation, but like we have that and we have some internal servers that only ever really talk to internal stuff. And um, mm -hmm. we don't really like to open it to the outside world unless we really have to. And so that's a way around that too. So that's it. That is all of it. Um, I am going to apologize profusely again to Mr. Dorinda. I'm so sorry for the bad recording on the first half of the show. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad I, I'm glad I stopped and pressed re-record though, because at least half of it will be decent. Yeah. Ah. <sighs> It is, it is what it is. We will make do. Any final words, my friend, before we let our amazing audience go? Oh, yes. One other thing. We did. We forgot to talk about it because Andreas looked it up for us. We did. Um, <clears throat> the name of the gentleman is Gaurav Makhecha. Gaurav Makhecha. And we will, I will retweet. I think I said Andreas. I asked him to like tweet about it and then I told him I would retweet it. That's the name of the guy, though, and he puts out like some really great stuff. So it's mm -hmm. like, uh, here's what went on in Laravel community this week. Number one, this. Number two, this. And then he links to like the tweets that announced them and then leaves his own little commentary as well. Uh, so it's really good. Like these threads are a great way to keep up. Uh, and then he also always links to his previous week's, week's update as well. And so I think he's gained a considerable amount of followers just kind of mm. through contributing like, you know, this new value. Uh, to the community that nobody else was really doing before. So he's got about 2,400 followers. Let's make it 25, 2,500 followers. Let's add 100. Hopefully Let's get his numbers up a little. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. Okay, folks. Well, that is the end of the show here for us today. This is episode 141. If you liked the show, you can uh, rate it up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be much appreciated. You can find show notes for this episode at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 141. And of course, we always love to hear from you folks on Twitter, on the interwebs. Hit us up at Michael Dorinda, at Jacob Bennett, or at Laravel News. That's Beautiful. all. That is all she wrote. Thanks, Andreas, for being our unofficial third third member of the team and uh, for finding finding that that tweet for us as well, or that, that, that Gaurav guy, so we could link him up. All right, that's it. I'll quit talking. Michael, Beautiful. you can sign us out. We will see you all in two weeks. Did we do the show notes? I wasn't. I was in a world of my own. You can find. <laughs> I did. You can find. I did do show notes. You I can did. find the show notes where the show notes are. Podcast.layerval-news.com/slash/441. We'll see you all in two weeks.